Welcome back to the podcast on everything. I'm your host, Dan Berlin. With me, I have Mike Hook. And today's episode is Coronavirus 101, What You Need to Know. And um, I'd like to thank Mike Hook for taking the time to study the virus that has the world basically shut down and giving us all the information we need to know to be protected, um, how it started, and just thoughts in general of maybe the future of what is happening. So thank you, um, Mike, for joining the podcast today. So, right now we are doing this away from each other because that is basically (laughs) the law in America is to be distant socially. So, he is on online right now. So, if you hear like any pauses, we apologize for that, but it should work out pretty good. Um, So, thanks for joining and let's get started on this episode. so, Mike, what's the first thing you got for us that you can tell us about this virus? Yeah, I mean, I think just some information in general. Um, it's COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2. SARS is Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. Um, so obviously, I think most people know by now that it originated in China is the best guess that anybody has at this point. Uh, it was predicted a while ago, but first identified... I guess as far back as November of 2019. That's what you had too, right? Yeah, they think it happened between November 22nd and the 27th was the first case. Yeah. Um, and it was a 55-year-old man who uh, they think contracted it like a week before. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, and so, I mean, just like the symptoms and stuff are coughing and sneezing, uh, close personal contact is to be avoided is how I think it spreads mostly that and just from breathing um, fever coughing shortness of breath um, and then I think the big complication is in severe cases people get secondary bacterial pneumonia um, which is what's causing like death from it yeah and a lot, a lot of people were saying it's very comparable to the flu and flu like symptoms and mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken the flu a lot of it for the death ends up becoming pneumonia as a result because of the flu. Yeah, I think what I've heard is that this is like the flu, but comparably it's like 10 to 15 times worse symptom-wise. Um, that was from Michael Osterholm, who was on uh, the Joe Rogan Experience. He was an infectious disease expert and used to work for the CDC. Um, he said that basically just breathing in general, they think, causes the virus to spread. Um, which is common with most forms of SARS, and that uh, that's kind of why it's spreading so quickly. So basically, he was saying by the end of all of this, they estimate that there will be 96 million cases, 48 million hospitalizations, and 480,000 deaths. Um, so far... 1,724,736 cases and 104,938 deaths. So you said one, You said how many cases? Sorry. Worldwide, we have 1,724,736 cases. So 104,938 deaths. And that's from the CDC. So basically, we 
<laughs> if the, let's say his estimate is correct, and we have 2 million cases, 96 million expected, we're not even close to like the beginning of this. Exactly. And I'm, I'm basically what he was saying is that we'll have different waves of it, essentially. That's the whole idea of flattening the curve, is the idea isn't that everybody doesn't get the virus. The idea is that you spread out when people get the virus so you have adequate medical care. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that's a lot of the stuff that we um, are going to have to, like, and people are talking about as a society is, like, what do we do? Like, is this is this legal? Is this going to be mental? Is this helping us psychologically by being so far apart to try to slow this the, um, this virus down? And then what happens when we think it's done and then we go back to normal activity? It does it skyrocket? And... Yeah, I wonder if that's the case of like why they're estimating 96 million people. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, everybody's quarantined now, so we're not all getting it. But if it just is in the air and you breathe it and literally get it. I mean, what he was saying is that that the second you contract it, they were doing studies on people that were exposed to coronavirus in Germany. And as soon as they were exposed, they tested them. And from respiration, just from breathing, they there was already contaminants in the air as soon as they were exposed to it from the people exposed. So they, they were asymptomatic; they had no symptoms, um, but they were already contagious. Mm. And just just breathing in general is ridiculous because how many breaths does the average person take in a day? And just think about how much of that virus you're spreading every time you take a breath. And yeah, I mean, it's 10 to, 12, 10 to 12 breaths a minute, <laughs> normal for an adult. So, a lot. <laughs> Especially, I mean, I, I haven't done, I haven't looked into too much how long it stays in the air, but I've definitely heard up to like three hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not backed up okay. by anything, but. Yeah, and like each virus is different um, for like how long it can survive outside just in open stuff and but three hours is a significant amount of time like let's say and we talk about this in grocery stores you go grocery shopping you're asymptomatic you're in there for 45 minutes let's say or an hour like that's almost 600 breaths you know and that that's going to be there for three hours and yeah, <laughs> what, like a hundred people in a grocery store at a time like it's crazy man yeah and <laughs> So it's no wonder. I mean, well, even just in Maryland, we've had what? We went from, I think it was 5,000 cases yesterday to 7,000 today. Is that right? Um, I don't know the latest numbers for Maryland, but yeah, that it sounds like it could be right. Are you are you looking that up? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. looking for it right now. Yeah, but it, it's just phenomenal, like, just thinking about viruses in general and just what kind of impact they have on species and how quickly that can happen. And then to have it happen to like the whole world at once is it's a crazy thing to think about. Um, so let's get back to what, whenever you find that, let's get back to, all right. So we covered how it started and a little bit of the cases and do you have any information of, so it started in China, and then how did it spread across the globe? I mean, we basically have like the <laughs> modern-day Tower of Babel, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like we, we're so connected that, I mean, it just 
people travel so frequently back and forth that there's no way not to have it spread rapidly. So do you think... Especially, I mean, if it's... Yeah, so do you think that there was 0% chance of keeping it contained in China? Like, maybe even the town or just in China in general? Or do you think just just based on the way we live now, it's 0% chance? I don't think there was any way to contain it, man. I mean, I think, I think we could have taken more extreme measures to lock down a little quicker than we did to try to contain it, but I, I don't think there was any way of actually avoiding it at all. Um, and it's sorry, I looked it up. It's seven seven thousand six hundred ninety four cases in Maryland right now. And did you did you see how many were the day before? Uh, yeah, it was like five thousand something the day before. I think maybe that was two days ago. But yeah, yeah this is the thing. In the last forty eight hours. Yeah, you're bringing up a good point of like how many we just got in Maryland, but also do you think it's because now we have more testing equipment? And we kind of know more about it, that we can get an accurate number, and then it shoots up more rapidly once that happens? Or do you think that that didn't affect it, those numbers? Oh, that's got to be got to be part of it, for sure. I mean, from when I was reading the CDC's guidelines uh, in the Maryland Department of Health, they were saying, like, if you have enough symptoms, it's not even necessary to test you. Like, just stay home. <laughs> so it's like we we're pretty clearly being upfront about the fact that like, we don't have the ability to test everyone. And I mean, certainly, I mean, did you hear they converted all of the, uh, emissions inspection stations to drive up testing sites? No. Yeah. Um, so emissions, emissions inspection stations got converted into like drive up testing sites for coronavirus because they don't have enough space to actually test people. Um, that's kind of ingenious. So yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, definitely smart especially because those facilities are like shut down um but yeah i mean there's i don't think there's any way we could have stopped it and i think not having enough testing was part of the reason it spread so quickly but i think it's also just i don't know it's like an invisible menace man you you can't really see it to avoid it you know i think it's just so unprecedented that we aren't prepared to handle it yeah i think something that I, I wonder about this, like, it happens in China, and we all know China has the government they have, and they like to, you know, not completely be open and honest with the whole world of what they do. And sure. if it happened in a country that was not China, that was more open, and, and like, let's say Canada, would it, would it, would it be better off, um, the number-wise, or would it not have mattered? Because we still, people still don't trust the numbers coming out of China. And China, yeah. we haven't got to this yet on the timeline, but China said like their numbers have gone down and they're not getting like any more cases. But then people are like, are you really telling the truth? Because we're like basing what we know on what you guys know. So I don't yeah. know. Sorry, good. I was like, I don't know if we, if um, we as humans know how to, how to actually solve this right now because of the information we're getting from China because they have all the early cases. Mm -hmm. I think what's interesting too, I mean, it'll be interesting to see long-term, I mean, you have like a a dictatorship in China. So 
it's much easier for them to like actually lock down their country and go into like more of a police state than in the U.S. I mean, you have people getting like shot here, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see long term the ramifications of like the extremity or the extremeness of the shutdowns in different countries and how that quells the number of cases like in those individual countries. I think it'll be cool to see. Yeah, right now, since you talked about, you know, being dictators able to lock down the countries more quickly, I am looking up North Korea coronavirus numbers. (laughs) Um, Because, because, you know, okay, so right here, March 26, North Korea asking for aid while denying any coronavirus cases is the headline. And then the next one, 10 days before, mid-March, North Korea claims it has no coronavirus cases. So, yeah, it's like, it's kind of like what we just talked about with, with how you can suppress information when you're a dictatorship quickly. But do, do you think that these countries that can lock down quickly because they're dictators make it worse for their, their country? Because now everyone's basically contained and they're listening to the information of their government, which may not be the best information available? Yeah, I mean, who knows? I- probably take a better expert than me for that <laughs> question. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think Russia's a good example, too. I mean, they have 13,584 reported cases. Um, and, I mean, Russia's huge. <laughs> like, they have a massive population, and they're right over China. So it's insane that they would have that low of a number of cases, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think, I, I think you have to combine the idea of the, the police state type countries being able to lock down faster with the fact that they're also going to be more reticent to share that information because they want to seem stronger, basically. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so let's start talking, uh, let's like take a step back and talk about like it's spreading from Asia around, but get to Japan. So I'm looking right now, they have 6,000 cases in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that is accurate at all? Because I'm like, Japan is like literally has cities of 30 million people all next to each other. How is it not a higher number, you know? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, yeah, they have 126.5 million people in Japan. So that would be insane if, they, if that was the number of cases they actually had. Yeah, because the first thing I heard... And on on the timeline of the coronavirus was the spread kind of started because obviously people weren't aware and they started going everywhere. Cruises let their people go to Japan. And that's how it got to Japan. But there's only 6,000 cases. And then it slowly started spreading across the globe right after that. Um, yeah, do you have any dates or any information before we get more in-depth on the Western world of this virus? No, I mean, not particularly. I mean, it just kind of seemed to pop up all over the place. Obviously, Europe was hit a lot harder um, and a couple weeks before us, but it seems to kind of have made an even spread across and then gotten down to Africa, I guess, a little slower. Yeah, and um, speaking of Africa, like, they're still trying to figure out why Africa is like so much better off than the rest of the, the world right now when you're looking at it. 
And then I've heard talks of maybe it's the weather because it's a hotter climate. Like, what's going on? Right now I have a map of coronavirus, um, coronavirus map. And basically it looks like the around the equator is a little bit better off than most of the world. Yeah. So do you, do you think this virus was also affected by weather, the slow of it? I mean, from what I've heard, not particularly, because um, there was a lot of conjecture, I think, at the beginning that, you know, the heat in the summer would kind of, like, quell the virus or slow it down. Um, but I haven't heard anything from any, like, actual official or doctor that would back that up. I wonder more if um, it's, like, a shipping and travel thing. I wonder if it's, like, the travel to and from countries and shipping things in and out, if that just causes, like, more first-world countries to have exposure so it spreads faster. But... I don't know. Yeah, and what's also intriguing about the whole Africa thing is China owns so much land in Africa. Like, I, I think there was like 7 million Chinese people that live in Africa. Which, oh, really? Yeah, which is something you wouldn't think about, but like they're basically buying land and developing Africa and taking their the the main resources they need for products, you know, gold and Every, every other, you know, every other type of metal that you can think of, they're taking from Africa. So they have a lot of yeah. Chinese people. So you would think that those Chinese people would also be interacting with mainland China coming and going because family and all that. But it, the way Africa looks, it doesn't look like that is the case. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, their numbers are probably lower than anywhere else in the world, I think. Um, all right, Mike, what do you got next for us? An interesting thing I thought, I thought was, or something I thought was interesting, was that the uh, CDC was saying that any kind of type of hand sanitizer or alcohol needs to be 60% alcohol or higher. Just like a good-to-know kind of thing. Did you see that uh, distilleries are transitioning into making hand sanitizer? I have not, but that is an awesome, <laughs> an awesome thing. To do to help out. Look, it still comes in like the same bottles, so it looks like <laughs> like liquor, like a pint of liquor, mm-hmm. but it just says hand sanitizer on it. And there, <laughs> I think like dog dogfish and uh, I guess a, a couple other Maryland distilleries have like transitioned into just making hand sanitizer. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's get into Maryland in just a second. So it's starting to spread. It hits the U. It hits the U.S. Um, some policies right before it got out of control. Um, do you have any information on that? Because from what I was told um, from a briefing of Donald Trump in front of a whole bunch of people about a month ago was that we tried to shut our borders down, but people said that that's a racist. So. We didn't. Um, did you hear anything contrary to that? No, I mean, we definitely had imposed travel restrictions, mm-hmm. I think, heightening like to different countries over time. Um, but, I mean, I don't know how federally you would even be able to shut our borders down. Um, and 
tried to do it, I don't know how it wouldn't just be done. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't know. So, yeah, sounds like some saving face to me. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think a big issue with all of, like, the stay-at-home orders and, like, essential travel or essential employees is that there's not enough law enforcement to actually enforce anything. Yeah, I agree with you because when we we started talking about it, it was just like, all right, we don't have enough people to to handle anything like this. I'm looking at the timeline right now, and the end of January, we confirmed our third, fourth, and fifth cases with California and Arizona being them. Okay. And there's not much yet. There's not much you can do, like like what we've been saying, and like once it's here, it's. It's here, you know? So, like, what can we do when we say we shut down the border? And then there's also reports that I've heard that we've had, like, 700,000 Chinese people from when we said we shut down the border to, like, right now that have traveled back and forth. (laughs) So, like, the travel restrictions. Even even now, like, there are still flights happening. (laughs) So it's like, I I don't know, especially even just domestically. I mean, you think of, like, populations in like New York traveling anywhere else where they're the heaviest hit of all of us there, there's still not a restriction on people from New York traveling to other states no and they, they did that for a while and people were like what are you doing like well we're trying to avoid getting the coronavirus and we're like well you could be spreading it because you are all compromised <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah I mean every every day at the park here we, we have New York and Pennsylvania license plates all over the place yeah, it, it's scary to think. So yeah, I think I think he was trying to save face by saying that and like getting super serious, because mm-hmm. I I feel like any leader at this stage, when you're trying to win an election, is going to try to do everything to save face because no matter what you do, is going to be the wrong choice because it's a virus. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like, when when in reality, what you need is like we should have had the quarantine or like the stay at home orders when like the four cases happened, you know, not, not three weeks later or months later. Yeah. And yeah, it brings up the different governments that we talked about. Like we talked about the dictator, the governments were dictators, Well, let's go to our own government and how legal and how, how many people you think would have followed it. If we're like, you all go home right now, we got our fourth case. This could get out of control in America right now. You think people would take it seriously? Like, well, there's four cases, like, in the western (laughs) part of the country. I don't have to worry. Yeah, I think, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think, too, there's always a population of people that's just not going to buy into it. I mean, think of, like, flat earthers. (laughs) (laughs) It's like there's always somebody that's going to, like, just not care and think whatever they want to think. But... I don't know, even now, I mean, I was out um, working yesterday, and uh, I drove past a bar, and there was a food, like a food truck in the parking lot, and the place was packed. Like, there were probably like 20 people outside. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know, even even with the numbers like going up rapidly, people are still just out doing what they want. It's crazy. Yeah, so it hits here at the end of January, and, you know, I think we're still learning all our information from from China, basically, you know? 
and a few other countries around China who are also getting their information as people are slowly getting sick. You know, we know it causes death because we've heard about it from China, but just like how much death like is serious? Is it just going to go through and be like 0.01% of the population? Like we didn't really know. It's definitely going to be higher than 0.01%. Yeah. I mean, we've got, just in the U.S., we have 19,602 deaths so far. Um, and that's as of today. So it's like that's in, what, a, when did you say the first case was reported? Um, the second, third, and fourth was January 26th. So I'm, I'm trying to see when it actually says the first case in America happened, which... It's taking a while to figure out. So we'll just say, like, maybe within that week. Yeah, so, I mean, you're looking at less than three months. Almost 20,000 people have died just in our country. So, I don't know. I think we're not even started yet. Yeah, and then it slowly started going across the country, but certain pockets of the country were getting hit. Like, it didn't just go from west to east, like, from state to state. Um, us in Maryland and the D.C. area in New York, like, we got it hit, and then those pockets just kind of blew up really quick. And um, do you have any information about what we did to try to combat um, the number of people getting it? On a federal level, or you mean Maryland specifically? Maryland, Maryland specifically. Yeah, I mean, I think we were kind of a little quicker to pull the trigger on like shutting down non-essential quote-unquote businesses. Um, I mean, like movie theaters, bars, that kind of stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the biggest thing and just kind of stacking all that on top of our conclusion earlier that you don't really think you can actually stop it to begin with. Um, Yeah, I got the information right now. We were the one, two, three, fourth, fifth country to get a reported case. Oh, okay. So went China, Thailand, Japan, South Korea, and us. So it wasn't like, you know, we got to see what happened to other countries and their reactions. We got to see what happened with China, and then it was like, your turn. You know, you're up. Yeah, it's it's interesting, too, to see... I, I feel like federally, a whole lot hasn't been enacted, and it's kind of dropped down to, like, state uh, government and how they want to handle things, which is really interesting to watch all that kind of play out. Yeah, what do you think, what's your thoughts on that? Because as a country, our goal is to not give the federal government power, but mm-hmm. when we wrote all that, and throughout the years, we've never had like a pandemic that we had to concern ourselves with like, with this many people. Yeah. Because yeah, our cities weren't cities, you know, they were spread out. Yeah, and I think that's interesting, too, is that, I mean, you see a lot of this, like the cases being widespread seem to be in, like, higher population areas for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, so it's, I don't know, it's interesting just to kind of see it all. Like, looking at the map right now, like the density of cases, it's like New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Michigan, Georgia, Florida, um, Louisiana, Texas, California, Washington are all kind of the hardest hit, with obviously New York being at the top. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's kind of a a toss up, you know. Like, you don't want the federal government to always have control, but like, how do you think we could have changed this if there was one united kind of front across our entire country? It's kind of a interesting thing to think about yeah so um the united states gets hit our reaction is debatable based on you know what people's thoughts are but it's here and we start shutting things down um i've been personally basically working from home for a month which kind of is driving me crazy but it is what it is um but if we if we talk about New York, um, I have almost 160,000 confirmed cases, which is crazy to think about. And I don't know. Do you have any information of what they did when they started getting their cases and shutting down and be like work from home? Um, well, I know they've had uh, almost 13,000 new cases since April 9th. So in the last three days. Their numbers have gone up a lot. So what I have here is 174,489 cases as of today. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I know my cousin lives in New York, and she said she's been working from home for at least six weeks now. So it seems like they were a little bit more ahead of it, but I, I don't know too much about what they specifically did as a state there. Yeah, I can, I can tell you personally that it wasn't, like, that big of an issue until like the sports world shut down <laughs> and then yeah. people were like oh snap like <laughs> like no one's gathering and these events are canceled and they're just giving away millions of dollars for this virus that like is it is it serious we don't know yeah well, it was mm-hmm. like it was so funny to see that because i'm not a sports person at all um but it was like you'd have like government officials and like doctors being like hey this is a really big deal we need to take this seriously and everybody's just kind of going about their lives, and then the NBA shut down, and everybody's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, like, they literally shut down while, like, a game was, like, three minutes from starting. And that video no, of, like, no yeah, that videos of, like, the fans, and, like, wait, what? <laughs> They're, like, here on the mic, they had Mark Cuban uh, on video, like, reading an email on his phone, and, like, just, like, flipped out. He's like, oh, my God, like, this is ridiculous, and, like, runs up and shows the, shows the refs what he, what what message he got from the commissioner and then you know it shut down and then other ones are like one by one and I think that's when Americans I think started taking it more seriously because yeah. now like it's affecting them you know <laughs> like March Madness yeah, is done bowl, yeah March Madness is done you're like your life is now affected <laughs> yeah personally you can't drink beer and watch basketball anymore yeah. yeah and then I think <laughs> yeah I would love to see like a timeline of that, of like how serious people took it in a survey before the NBA shut down in the sports leagues and then like the day after <laughs> how serious yeah. they consider this virus that people were like, hey guys, it's coming, be be proactive, be serious. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> people just sleeping all the time, man. I don't know. Meanwhile, meanwhile, before that happens, Italy is hit hard. Um, do you want to go into details about Italy and and what's happened with um, with that country? Yeah, I mean, I know they, they were kind of, what, the second on the list to get nailed by everything? 
Um, they weren't in the top four. I can go back. I think they were at the end of January, so they might have been like the 15th, 20th country. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know they have 147,577 confirmed cases uh, and just under 19,000 deaths. Yeah, when and when you look at the numbers from Italy to the others, like their death rate is so much higher, and that's what really scared people around the world. Mm-hmm. Is like what's happening with Italy? Like if that happens with us, like what do we do? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the interesting thing too is um, they, the, a lot of the correlations that I've heard is smoking because there's a respiratory infection or a respiratory disease. They were saying countries with higher populations of smokers um, are more likely to like succumb to secondary illnesses. Um, and so in China, initially, they thought that the, the disease targeted men more than women because there was such a higher mortality rate among men. Um, but then they, I think they realized the correlation was that a lot more men in China smoke than women. And that's what they actually think the cause was. That's, I haven't heard that one. That's an interesting thing. And it makes yeah. me think about, like, Eastern Europe and everything because I've never visited Eastern Europe. I don't know if you have, but, like, in all the movies, they all damn smoke, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's the typical yeah. Eastern European is a, is a smoker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't – I definitely haven't been there. I've definitely met a lot of Russians. They smoke, like, chimneys, man. Yeah, yeah. Like I've Russian, <laughs> they smoke a yeah, so if that's the case, that like the smokers are more impacted, like that's another reason, obviously, not to smoke. But, <laughs> but yeah, like it, it does explain a little bit. Well, it'll be interesting in the U.S. as well because I mean they're saying like obesity is also a, a, a factor that is going to like predispose people to worse complication complications from COVID nineteen. So it's like that's what, like forty percent of our population. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's only getting higher. Um, we've been talking about it because I have a health degree. We've been talking about it for like fifteen years when I've been studying health about how America is getting more and more out of shape, getting more obese, and it's going to be a problem. And maybe this is a wake up call for like some people to get active. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's just too late. Like us and all these countries that have just obese. Like um, I'm trying to think of another country right off the top of my head that's obese. Mexico, but their numbers are pretty low right now. Yeah. So, so do you think the three contributing factors I've heard? Um, two from you, which is obesity, smoking, and then the other one is the elderly. Um, yeah, diabetes as well as a big one. Yeah, so basically if you have a health condition and you're not in the prime of your life, you are more at risk, Um, which um, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but when you're not in that group and that category, do you think those people are taking it seriously and are just helping, we're just helping pass this virus all around? Just be like, oh, I'm in the prime. I don't smoke. I'm, I'm in good shape. I'm this and that. And then I can do whatever I want. And then you think they're just asymptomatic and just helping causes spread. Yeah, but I think an important thing to realize too, though, I mean, I think that's definitely the case is that a lot of people, I think in a lot of demographics, are just like, no, it's not that big of a deal. 
and they kind of just go about what they want to do. I mean, you see the thing with Nancy Pelosi being like, no, just go about your lives. <laughs> yeah, and I think she was, um, I think she was at like a Chinese like Chinatown in San Francisco or something. She's like, yeah, like, come visit. Like, we're great. <laughs> we're exactly. great. And it's just like, one, you should resign. Two, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like, I mean, it depends on who you want to get. There's so much information out there with our, like, our access to technology that it's so easy to just read one thing and see, like, oh, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. And just that's your opinion. And then you go about your life, and in reality, you're the one spreading it. So, I mean, yeah, I think our age group or the under kind of like 40 age group I think is very responsible for spreading it um, but I think a lot of other people are too but I think I think in general too you see a lot of like more of the millennial group of people taking it seriously as well so who knows yeah I've seen videos of people in America with spring break just not caring at all still going down oh, to yeah, Florida that was crazy yeah and some of the artists like, hey man, if I get it, I get it. It's whatever, you know. Like I'm yeah. young, I'm. I'm I mean, there. Sorry, good. No, that was it. <laughs> okay, um, but yeah, I mean, you still do have. My grandparents were in Florida. Um, they got back about a week and a half ago. Um, they were down, down there for vacation, and I talked to them while they were there. My grandfather was like, "Yeah, it's crazy. We're just staying like in our hotel room. We're not really going out at all." Uh, but the beaches are packed. <laughs> um, so they were in uh, Key West. So I guess spring break was just bumping down there. And so that's like a prime example of just like you have kids that don't really care. And then like, you know, my grandparents just chilling down there like, well, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I hope someone's doing a study on just human behavior in this, which um, yeah. it's just interesting to see because it's like, all right. Now it's like the time to be outside and like the northern hemisphere, the the weather's nice, it's changing, you've been inside for so long. Now you're basically at home, either getting paid or not getting paid, but you have plenty of time to do whatever you want and you have good weather and you know most people are going to be safe and stay inside. So why don't I be one of the few people that goes and visits the park and I won't see anybody and then you realize when you get there, you have like hundreds of people that have the same mindset as you, and now, <laughs> and now you have a hundred people hanging out in a park close proximity to each other. It's just like interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting thing on, I guess, behavior, just the mind and how people think across the globe. I mean, especially when like the governor lists like park-based recreation as an essential activity. It's like, what the hell else do you expect, you know? It's, it's, it's kind of wild. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, like, park usage is going to go up. An interesting thing I saw was, um, obviously, like, reports of, like, drug abuse and alcoholism are, like, way up because people are stuck inside all the time. Uh, but then also, like, domestic abuse is, like, skyrocketing because <laughs> people are home all the time with their spouses. It's like, damn, man, that sucks. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, some of those I was wondering what would happen. I'm like, is this going to be, like, the best time to be, like, a drug dealer? You know, because everyone's at their house. They have nothing to do. <laughs> Only if you deliver. <laughs> yeah, but, like, yeah, the domestic abuse, like, that's a shame that that's happening. But I can understand, like, why it skyrockets. Like you said, you know, you're stuck with these people all the time. And you have no other person, I guess, to 
to hang out with, they get you get frustrated. I don't know. That's a terrible way to try to justify it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there is a justification for it. It's just a very unfortunate outcome yeah. from what the world is experiencing currently. Yeah, so when do you see uh, Italy going down? Do you, do you see it in the next little bit um, based on what you've, you've studied or you think they – because the numbers, we have 2 million out of 96 million possibly that can get it. Do you think Italy is not even close to the peak of what potentially could happen there? Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it'll be interesting to see whether the countries that it hit first, as their numbers go down and they all go back to like the workforce, it'll be interesting to see if there's like a secondary wave of everything. So, I don't know. I think it's, it's kind of a... So much of this is touch and go or, like, just kind of sit around and see what's going to happen in the future. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the countries that were hit first and that are getting over it first will kind of see what the next effects of the virus are going to be on those places when they start opening back up and going back to normal life. Yeah. Now, there are some things that are still going on around the world, which is, like kind of like mind-blowing those the japanese baseball league is still going on but they only have six thousand cases whereas america is is half a million you know and we've basically been shut down these places that have it have been shut down for a while yeah you know it's just crazy we we just don't know anything about it yet you know it's it's just wild because it's so many people are like I read multiple articles just, like, reading about coronavirus that were like, yeah, we'll have a vaccine in, like, a couple months. And it's like SARS has been around for years, and there's no vaccine for it. And the podcast I was listening to um, with Michael Osterholm, he was like, that's insanely optimistic thinking. Like, there's no way. (laughs) It's like it'll be at least a year if we can even find a, a vaccine to begin with. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting that, like, some populations don't seem to be as affected like Japan. Um, yeah, I think it'll it'll take kind of... It's almost like once all of this is over and we have, like, finalized data, we'll be able to actually study it and figure out what it is, <laughs> which is sad. Yeah. Um, have, you, have you thought about the future history books and what's going to be written about this time in 20 years from now? Like, it's... I don't know. Like yeah, it, I was like, it's just crazy to think about. Like, is it? Would it be like in the history books? Like, yeah, and that's why we all sit inside the house from March to June. <laughs> like, this is when it started. <laughs> you know, have like new religions built around coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I wonder if this will be like a, a defining point for a new generation. You know what I mean? You know how like, they define generations based on like pivotal moments in history? I wonder if this will be like the start of the next one. Like instead of, what are we on, like Gen Z now? Uh, Gen X, something Gen. Gen X or Gen Z. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, but I wonder if that'll be like, this will be the, the transition into the next generation. Which is probably going to be like just straight robots because everyone's just using the electronic devices becoming robots right <laughs> right now around the world. <laughs> this is how we fuse in. 
Yeah, so it's here, it's everywhere, it's slowly spreading. I, as far as I know, almost every country is on some sort of lockdown, either by their government or just by requesting the people to stay indoors. I know Sweden was one that was still doing whatever they wanted um, because they said psychologically by being inside for this possible length is harmful. Um, what's your thoughts on the psychological damage of being inside for an extended period of time? I don't know. I mean, I think you could comment on it better than I could because I've been working. <laughs> I've been very fortunate to still be working and have a job. Fortunate as long as I don't get coronavirus, I guess. But um, yeah, I'm considered emergency essential, quote unquote. So yeah, I mean, I have I haven't been having to stay inside. I certainly haven't been going anywhere else other than to work and back home. But yeah, I mean, it certainly can't be good for you. <laughs> I mean, we're like social apes, <laughs> so mm. to not have that kind of interaction, I'm sure, is not healthy mentally. Yeah, and. I remember you and I, we talked years ago about, like, social media and just being on it makes you more depressed. Yeah. Like, the studies have proven that. Well, now people are on it, and I have no idea what the numbers are. It was about eight hours a day years ago. Now it has to be, like, 12 plus. Like, if eight hours depressed you, now I had 30% more. Like, what's happening? Like, I, it's got to be going to do some sort of psychological damage to a, a lot of people. Oh, I'm sure. And, and also, like, just the... I think the incubation period being as long as it can be. I mean, they were saying most people will show symptoms of, like, four days, I guess. But it can take up to, like, two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so, like, having been out in the outdoors or, like, in a possibly contaminating environment and then having to be quarantined in your house for two weeks, not knowing if you have a potentially deadly virus. It's just like this invisible monster that fear can create. I mean, you have like um, like a volcanic eruption, for example. Like that happens, and it's done for the most part, as long as there aren't any like lasting effects from it. And like you can see the thing that's going to kill you, you know? <laughs> so I'm sure there's like a a large psychological impact from not being able to like see the danger that you're perceiving that you're in it's interesting yeah and I know we crave that human interaction so yeah it's going to be interesting because we have so many countries that we that are going to obviously be studied you know like once once Italy's done like what's Italy's life going to be like they are very social they have huge families that all get together is the future of Italy going to be the opposite of what everyone knows, like, Italians are, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, the long-term societal impacts on this. I mean, because it, it is interesting, like, going to work every day. I'm still interacting with my coworkers, um, but we're supposed to be, like, social distancing, you know, so we're not we're not driving in the same vehicles that we normally would. Um we're like driving places separately, but it's so easy to walk up to someone um, and immediately just like stand a normal distance from them, and not which is not six feet typically. Um, so, I mean, we've been doing this for what at least a month. The social distancing thing. Do you remember when that came out? Um, it was around a month ago. It might have been like a 
the beginning of March, not the second week of March when we really got when we got sent home, but it might have been yeah. before then in which they were kind of more so recommending you do that to help yeah. keep the spread and washing your hands and being proactive with your own health, which you should be washing your hands anyway, but you know, just like, hey, be aware of it when you touch things, like go home, wash your hands, and then touch your face. Like you touch your sure. face, I think, a hundred some times a day. And if you're not consciously thinking about, hey, every time I touch my face, I could be put touching, you know, giving myself a virus. Like people yeah, weren't. <laughs> yeah, I was like people weren't really thinking about that. I think until like the end of February, um, early March. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I touch my face all the time, and I was, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, man, I just need to put like hot sauce on my hands. <laughs> So that, like whenever I touch my face, it'll just burn for a while. I'll condition myself every time I touch my face. I haven't done that yet, but mm. but yeah. So it's it's just interesting. Like we've had probably a month or so of the social distancing measures being recommended, and still at work walking up to people, I'm just like right there, ready to talk, and then I'm like, oh crap, I have to back up. Like every time. So it's interesting just how hardwired like social interaction and like engaging with community is into our brains yeah um, do you have any really interesting facts for us we are we're almost done this podcast um, do you have any do you have any information like what what do we do from here or any anything more to add Mike no not really I mean it's kind of just have to kind of wait and see see where it takes us Yeah, I I always wonder, like, there's people that always have a huge supply of food and guns and everything, and you've been hearing about these people, quote, quote, like those crazy neighbors, you know, that think that apocalypse is coming and martial law is happening. Oh, yeah. Like, what are like what they're saying right now? Because I don't have the social medias. <laughs> they're like, I told you, I'm ready. <laughs> I, don't, I don't either. But, I mean, doomsday preppers have got to be, like, just losing their minds with joy right now. How right they've been for the last twenty years of like gathering MREs and gold. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. It, I think it's it's definitely a solid wake up call. I think for people to be a little bit more prepared than normal. Like we don't need to have like oxygen tanks and eight thousand rounds of ammunition, you know, but. Just having like a stockpile of some food to get you through a couple weeks. I think our culture is so on demand ready. It's like, oh, I want this thing. I'm gonna go to the store and get it. And I think it's been years and years and years, not certainly not in our lifetimes, that that hasn't been possible. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just interesting to see people react to that, and I think that will be a long term change. Is people like kind of hoarding more things or like being more prepared for the long term mm-hmm. I mean like I remember my great grandfather died we were cleaning out his house and we found he, he was he was born like and grew up during the great depression and we found like coffee cans filled with cash in his attic because he just didn't trust banks to <laughs> have the money and so it's just like that kind of thing I think this would be like something that has like lifelong lasting effects on people of just how they interact with the world around them yeah and I think some of it is yeah it was like a big wake up call to some people because the average American 
at one, at one point in a study, I think a year ago, had $600 in the bank. Mm-hmm. And like when something like this happens, and let's say you're in the restaurant industry, and they're like, hey, we can't pay you. <laughs> well, like gyms, like, hey, we can't pay you. You know, like, now you have to survive on all that for months, and you don't have a stockpile of food ready, and you weren't this, like, like... Well, that's not even to speak for the people that, like, can't afford to save money. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, and so to have something like this happen where... I mean, I saw numbers where they estimated that the um, unemployment... Hey Mike, can you repeat that? Because you cut off for like 10 seconds. Yeah, sorry. Um, But yeah, I just saw I saw articles that were projecting that unemployment was even during the Great Depression was like 21 percent. So we could be we could see unemployment rates higher than they've been in the last hundred years in the U.S. Um, so, and I mean, hopefully, I mean, the Great Depression was what, like nine or ten years? So, yeah. hopefully it won't be that long. But <laughs> still, I mean, that's a, a massive, massive impact that's going to have on individual people in our country and our economy. So, Yeah, and we were literally just at the lowest numbers like we have ever had in like a hundred years of doing it to now like go and do the complete opposite like yeah. like what happens you know because you still got people turning 18 people turning 22 getting ready to get jobs and then if you know one out of five can't find a job what then sure well I'm interested too to see um, how to affect like colleges college attendance rates and stuff if you have all these families that are just like scrounge to make money you're going to have a I, I think you have a much bigger jump in the workforce than not so much in college attendance so it would be interesting to see that yeah um, there's a lot of there's a lot of like questions that we have now because we don't know what's going to happen like colleges sure. how many people are applying to colleges in the fall how many people you know can afford it now without all these scholarships and stuff um, what happens with all this debt that the people owe colleges and colleges are now not getting people? <laughs> are we going to wipe that out? Or are we going to do free colleges? What's going to happen in America in the future after all this? Yeah. Well, and even um, like business bailouts, their loans, it's not free money. So all these businesses, if they're taking like bailout money from the government to like keep their businesses running, they're still taking out a loan with interest. So it's like the small business owner of America is already in debt. <laughs> you know, it's like they're not typically rolling in money. And so it'll be interesting to see, like, I don't know, it, it's just, it seems like the people are being preyed on because they're in desperate times almost, which kind of sucks. Yeah. And I know we have a stimulus money coming to every American. I, sure. I think I'm Yeah, and if you're working American. So, like, what's going to happen with that money? Is it going to stimulate the economy and help slow this down? Or are people just going to save it? Because, like what you said, with the Great Depression, you know, they went through something and they knew they needed to have stuff on the ready. 
and then we just give people money and they don't do anything with it, well, well what's our backup plan? <laughs> sure. Like, and also, like, I don't know, it's kind of a joke to me that giving every, like, tax-paying American $1,200 one time is going to, like, bail out our economy. Yeah. I don't know. Dude. I can't see that panning out. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have two things about this. Um, one is, are we paying for that to just get it back, right? Yeah. <laughs> the government like doesn't... <laughs> yeah, like, I'm paying taxes, and now you just give me my money back. <laughs> so I didn't really make anything. <laughs> I'm just getting what I used to have. But the other thing was this... Um, I heard... Of, I was this, also listening to Joe Rogan... And it was with Duncan Trussell. Yeah. And um, they were talking about a tweet that Trump did. So I looked it up because it was a hilarious tweet. Well, it was false as, as a tweet. Um, someone made, and this is the great thing about the internet, but also the worst thing about the internet. If someone took a photo of Donald Trump and like made a tweet, and it was basically like, hey, um, I'm giving $1,200 stimulus checks to all the people that, um, you know, don't have the hashtag not my president um, in their history feed <laughs> because obviously you'd be offended if. if <laughs> Did you get it? <laughs> yeah. It's like I don't want to offend you if I'm not your president. <laughs> and and a lot of people oh, roll roll with hysterical. it. Yeah, they rolled with it because it looked so official and real, <laughs> which is. And it's because it's something he would say. <laughs> like, welcome to a reality television government. Oh my God. Yeah, so funny. yeah, when I first heard it, I was like, that is the greatest thing I've ever heard a president say. It's also pretty messed up because you just basically singled out a handful of people that <laughs> you should help anyway because you're the president. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But it, yeah, I definitely am a person that thinks Trump's a piece of shit. <laughs> But his Twitter is hilarious. That's what I've heard. <laughs> like yeah. if, you can, if you can look at it like a, this is a joke and doesn't, if you can pretend he's like a comedian and not our president, it's pretty funny. Yeah, like um, when he had, uh, someone made it, he retweeted it, but it was like a wrestler and Donald Trump beating somebody up and they just put the CNN logo above the guy's face. <laughs> you remember that a couple of <laughs> And CNN got in all this, like, you know, all this, like, oh, this is not right, blah, 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 you're the president. I'm like, this is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I think, too, mm. it's funny. I don't know. It's, it's like, I think everyone's forgotten that Donald Trump got famous because he was in the WWE. <laughs> and that's just, like, the funniest thing to me is, like, our president came from, like, television wrestling <laughs> to be the president. Uh, yeah and like that's the great thing about the internet is like people can make funny jokes like this but the scary thing is how many people think that they're true and now don't ever know that he didn't say that (laughs) yeah for sure it's it's crazy man you could probably do like a whole series on like internet misinformation and how it's changing like the American mind that would be a pretty cool one yeah and um yeah, it's just scary because it's like all this information about the coronavirus on the internet. How does the average person know what is right and what is wrong? You yeah, know? I mean, I think it goes back to just trusting sources that are 
more likely to be accurate than others. So, like, don't go to naturalmedicine.com for your information on coronavirus. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, read the CDC, read your state health website, and try to get as much of your information as you can from there. So... Yeah, I agree. So we just hit the hour mark. Um, is there any other things you wanna you wanna cover before we wrap this up? No, I mean that's kind of all I have. I'm sure we could do plenty more, but yeah, we tr- we tried to stick to um, our goal. Um, I know I've invited Mike for the next one to talk about the the origins of this. We can put him in quotes: the true origins or the or whatever you want to call it, but we're going to try to get how this thing started, why it started, and the theories that are on the internet or coming out of the minds of people also on the radio and other forms <laughs> like YouTube and what, and how do, what are we think about that? Because <laughs> there's some, there's some really clever ones out there that I think the average person can be fooled or be thought to believe. Um, so hopefully we can get that out quickly. I am at my house all the time now. You're an essential employee. So hopefully uh, we can get you back on soon and get this yeah. conspiracy theory part two of coronavirus. Come out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you, Mike, for joining the podcast. I yeah, appreciate it. On, no problem. I want to thank everybody for listening tuning in hopefully you learned some information and learn how to protect yourself and what's going on in the world with this uh pandemic and um if you want to catch more episodes of the podcast you can go to the podcast on everything.com you can also go to stitcher and spotify and youtube and tune in and google play and you can also subscribe and listen to our podcast on those so thank you for listening And uh, take care.